0: Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Ephesians Chapter 2. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chapter. Thank you for explaining these things to us. Thank you for making us alive. Thank you for adding us to your people. Thank you for uniting us... To you. Thank you for building us into a temple to give you praise. Thank you for dwelling in us. Thank you for the great promises that we know we have by faith and that yet we are looking forward to see all the details to come. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 And you, although you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all formerly lived in the desires of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and of the mind, and we were children of wrath by nature, as also the rest of them were. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, and we, being dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and raised us together and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that he might show in the coming ages the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we may walk in them. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, the so-called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that you were at that time apart from Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, not having hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, the ones who once were far away, have become near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both one, and broke down the dividing wall of the partition, the enmity, in his flesh, invalidating the law of commandments and ordinances, in order that he might create the two in himself into one new man, thus making peace, and might reconcile both in one body to God through the cross, killing the enmity in himself, and coming. He proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to the ones who were near, because through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Consequently, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building, joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built up together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. Paul started telling the Christians his prayer for them, and it isn't certain if he is still explaining his prayer or if he's explaining salvation to them so they can understand his prayer. Either way, it is good for us to really think about these things and pray about them. This chapter starts with the word and, because Paul is still continuing with that prayer explanation. Paul says that in the past, they were dead in their sins. God told Adam that in the day he ate from the tree, he would surely die. And even though Adam continued to live for many years after that day, the physical sentence of death was on him. He could no longer live forever, and spiritually he died that day. He was separated from God by his sin. So we also were dead in sin. We couldn't save ourselves, but God made us alive. Verse 5, and we being dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. The point is that we didn't earn our salvation. We didn't work ourselves alive again. God made us alive with Christ. Grace Is a gift verse 9 it is not from works so that no one can boast God doesn't want us to think that we saved ourselves he doesn't want us to be proud he wants us to give him the glory then Paul says we are created for good works so God didn't make us alive to do nothing he does have good works for us to do but they are not for our salvation Paul moves into a major point about unity Perhaps this is an aside, or perhaps this is the main point that Paul wanted to stress, and he just explained the gospel to get to this point. You can notice how Paul uses the words, you, us, and we. When Paul says you, he means Gentiles. When he says us, he means the Jews, and when he says we, he means Jews and Gentiles unified. So, Paul says that Jesus brought the Gentiles to God with his blood, And Jesus broke down the wall, not only between God and the Gentiles, but between Gentiles and Jews, because both groups get access to the Father through Jesus. Then Paul gives us a picture to understand this point of unity. However, this isn't just an illustration. This is what it has been about all along. Really, the picture has been what God has done in the Old Testament, and the real thing is the spiritual reality. The picture is building a temple. Both Jews and Gentiles understood temples. They were the place to worship God, or the false gods of the Gentiles. They were where God had his presence. In the false temples, they would have an image of the God in their temple. Paul says that Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple. Paul isn't the first to say this. It comes from Psalm 118, although the point there is that the builders rejected that stone. Jesus quoted that to point them to himself, and Peter also quoted that when he said it was Jesus in Acts chapter 4. Then, the apostles and prophets formed the foundation, starting off of Jesus. Then, we are built somewhere on top of that. And together, we are a place of worship to God, and God dwells in us. And now for a deeper dive. If we really understand the gospel, it will really help with unity. Unity has always been a problem for us humans ever since we sinned. When you look at the first sin, you see that it separated Adam and Eve from God as they hid from him. It separated them from each other as Adam blamed Eve for giving him the fruit. And it separated them from themselves as they felt shame at their nakedness. Unity was lost then, and only God can bring it back. And he did that through Jesus. But it doesn't make it easy or automatic. We have these promises like Paul said, verse 5, And we, being dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us together and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that he might show, in the coming ages, the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. But Paul isn't saying that we have the complete fulfillment of them because he says, in the coming ages. So, we know by faith that we have these things, and we start to see them now, but we don't know them fully yet. So, with unity, God has provided it, but we don't see it fully yet, and we have to work at it. Maybe I should say we get to work with God on it. One of the divisions among Christians is in understanding our salvation. One way of looking at it that comes naturally to us is to think that we have to earn God's favor. We know we cannot pay for our salvation, but there's still this idea that we have to live up to some level in order to get God's grace. In Galatians, Paul was stressing that there is no law that can grant forgiveness. The only way to be saved by law is to keep it perfectly. So we should know that if there's some minimum level we need to attain, however low that level is, we are going to fail. But still, we have this tendency to keep that idea in our minds. And whenever we think that we are meeting that level, we are proud of ourselves. And when we realize that we cannot attain that level, we despair. We need to understand that we are saved by grace, not works. Then the other extreme is what is sometimes called Calvinism or the Reformed view. The idea is that we can do nothing. So God picks who he wants to save and gives us his spirit so that we will come to God. There have been various views about this, including some who say that you have to have some Holy Spirit experience, such as speaking in tongues, in order to be saved. And if you haven't had that experience, then you aren't saved. God hasn't picked you. This view makes much of the word dead at the beginning of this chapter. They will ask, can a dead man bring himself back to life? Obviously not. So God has to work in us before we would even look to him. I think there is a middle ground between these two extremes. I believe that God does have to act first, and that God already has. But God's act does not force us to be saved. We still have to accept God's outstretched hand. But looking to Jesus is not a work that we can be proud of. There isn't some minimum level of works that we have to accomplish for God to provide his grace and forgive us. God wants us to do good works, but that is God's grace to give us those works to do. God doesn't need our help, and our salvation isn't provisional. where God gives it to us, but we have to pay him back with those good works. So now that I've briefly mentioned the extremes and where I think there is some middle ground, let me ask this. Which side of that log is more dangerous? Which extreme is there more warning against in the Bible? I hope you will ponder that, but for now, let's get back to the main point Paul is making here. Unity. God made unity in Jesus. So, how do we deal with people who have different views of salvation? Do we divide up into groups based on our belief and exclude each other because only we have the truth? Unity is from God, but it takes work on our part. And that work involves teaching and learning, of course, But that isn't the hardest part of the work. But if we understand that I am saved by grace and not by my great works or by my perfect understanding, then maybe that will help us to be unified. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.